athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. As always, thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. Look, we've got wall-to-wall HBCU football talk today here on the program. Yes, I get it. As a matter of fact, we had some great NBA games. The NFL, we're midway through the season. We've had some trades. The, the college basketball season begins on Monday. So a lot of the other sports are going on. The World Series just wrapped up with the Rangers winning the World Series, right? But look, we've got plenty of time to talk about that because the bottom line is it is Judgment Day Saturday. Judgment Day Saturday, you got some big-time football games. If Tuskegee beat, beats Miles, then guess what? Tuskegee will meet Benedict in the SIAC championship game on next Saturday, but it's a must-win for Tuskegee. If Tuskegee does not win that football game, then there, then you still have Albany State that's in the picture. You still have Fort Valley. Fort Valley State defeats uh, Albany State. Then, then Fort Valley State would represent Albany State has has an opportunity. That Fountain City Classic um, is big time. I mean, you've got a, a bunch of different games that mean so much, and we're going to try to talk about as many of them as we can today on the program. And you would think a uh, you know, 60 minutes would be enough time to talk about the games that really matter today. Because, look, I mean, at the end of the day, the MEAC season really is is, a, is between two teams as it sits right now. But we've got some guests lined up for you today here on the program. Speaking of Tuskegee, Aaron James is in his first season as the head football coach of the Golden Tigers. He's going to join us today on the program. Again, the the Golden Tigers win. The Golden Tigers are in against Benedict next week in the SIAC championship. Speaking of, of champions, right, already Florida A&M, the Rattlers are already champions of the SWAC's Eastern Division. Wrapped it up last week with the beatdown of Prairie View A&M, 45-7. And also joining us today here on the program, Florida A&M head football coach Willie Simmons going to join us today here on the program as well. Boy, tell you what, we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We want you to participate here on Box to Row. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I keep calling it Twitter. It's X, formerly known as Twitter, X. 
formerly known as Twitter, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're there. Also, you can hit me up on my personal Twitter account, or personal X account, as it were, at dware one at dware one Thank you to all of the outstanding, and I mean outstanding, affiliates that carry the program. How about ES? How about uh, ESPN Richmond that carries the program? Because we got to talk about Richmond uh, a little bit about not talk about Richmond, but there's something big happening in Richmond today. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 142 and 84, and those that listen to us um, around the world at BoxToRow.com. Look, as big a football game as there is in the SIAC. And again, let me reiterate, like I am, I'm for this new format with the SIAC. Like I like it. You go back to 2011 when the, when you've implemented or, or the uh, division, divisions were implemented between East and West. Miles, of course, won the first SIAC championship game going back to 2011. I like this format. Okay, and by the way, because I think before, I'm not sure if there was, there was not a a SIC championship game before that. If whoever won the conference or whoever it was determined that won the conference, in other words, if there was some kind of tie or something like that, then there was no championship game to settle it. Well, uh, not only have you taken away the divisions, but the championship game remains. And I like this because look, This is what's being talked about with respect to the SIAC. Look, in years past in the West, it was it was always basically okay for the most part. It was going to come down to Tuskegee and Miles. I'd have to go back and look. I think Miles has won like what three or four SIAC championships in this era. Tuskegee, I'm not sure how many Tuskegee has won. And then on the other side, you've got. You know, you've got the Albany states of the world. You've got the Fort Valley states of the world. I mean, look, it always came down in, in pretty much in the West to Tuskegee and Miles. Miles is out of it. Albany State just put it on Miles last week. And so Albany State is out of the running. Or excuse me, uh, uh, Miles, that is, is out of the running. But you know, with Miles being out, doesn't want to see Tuskegee in the running because so many years it came down uh, to Miles and Tuskegee, right? So, you know, in the West, I mean, Benedict, you know, Benedict's that team undefeated on the season, defending SIAC champs. The Tigers look really, really good. But either, I mean, whether it's Tuskegee, whether it's Albany State, whether it's Fort Valley State, because even in that first matchup between Fort Valley State and and Benedict, I mean, you looked at Fort Valley State, you know, had some some significant injuries. Now, I think Benedict would have won the game anyway. That said, Fort Valley State should be a lot more healthy if Fort Valley State is playing. But again, I mean, you've got these scenarios. So it, again, just to reiterate, it comes down to Tuskegee, Fort Valley State, and Albany State. Now, in order for Albany State and Fort Valley State to get in, Tuskegee has to lose. All Tuskegee has to do is win, and the Golden Tigers are in the SIEC championship game. Let's look at the CIAA. Okay, we already know that in the Southern Division, 
Fayetteville State is, has wrapped it up once again. I think this is the fifth or sixth straight Southern uh, CIAA Southern Division Championship for Fayetteville State. But, but in the North, it comes down to Virginia Union and Virginia State. This rivalry game is going to be played uh, at Hubby Field in Richmond, Virginia. The winner is in, okay? And, by the way, the way things sit in the in terms of the playoffs, both teams right now, I've got to look at those um, the D2 rankings. Okay, while I'm talking to you, I want to look up the D2 rankings. I know, you know, Benedict, you know, obviously – is is um, right there. They're number one. The the uh, the Tigers are number one in terms of the D two rankings for football. I mean, undefeated on the season. But as we're talking, uh, I'm going to look up these rankings for the uh, for for uh, with respect to the CIAA and the SIAC. Okay, it's actually Super Region two. You've got Benedict at number one, Fayetteville State at number seven. So right now, Fayetteville State and Benedict would be your teams that are in. Fort Valley State is number nine. Virginia Union is number ten. Virginia State, even though it has one loss on the season, is on the is is not even in the rankings. It's the top seven, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, because it's cha- it may have changed, but the top seven teams go to the playoffs. So Benedict would be in. Fayetteville State would be in right now. That could change. Uh, you look at what happened last year. If you remember, Fayetteville State was on the outside looking in, defeated Shawan in the CIAA championship game. I didn't really think Fayetteville State would make it because Virginia Union was ranked higher, even though Virginia Union did not play in the CIAA championship game. And wouldn't you know it, uh, Fayetteville State also made it. So anything can happen. And so just to look at the whole rankings, Benedict, number one, Delta State, number two, Valdosta State, number three, West Florida, number four, Lenore Ryan, number five, Mars Hill at six, Fayetteville State at seven, West Georgia at eight, Fort Valley State at nine, and Virginia Union at 10. Fort Valley State can win. Tuskegee loses. Fort Valley State's in the SIAC championship game. Could boost, uh, could boost, but a win, I think, by Fort Valley State, if Fort Valley State gets that far over Benedict. I think Fort Valley State would be in. So it's so many different scenarios. And I was having this conversation uh, about D2 football and 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 the relevancy and, and, and even specifically HBCU D2 football. There was a faction uh, several years ago that wanted to separate Division I from, uh, from Division II. And n- no, it's all HBCU football. It's all uh, exciting. Uh, right in the division two. Look at the top. Look at the media poll in the media poll where, where on the Boxer Row media poll, where all of the schools, any school that's an HBCU, can be ranked. You've got five D two schools in that poll, okay? And that's media across the country that that covers HBCU football that votes on that poll each and every week. In the Virginia Union, you know Virginia State, Benedict, you know Tuskegee, all deserve to be and Fayetteville state all deserve to be in that conversation. And Benedict, I'll tell you what, Benedict is really, really getting it done. Um, you know, you, you look at Chenis Berry in his third season and, and, and that is a, a tremendous program. 
I I know Benedict is not looking past anyone. I got it right. Got to beat you know Allen this. Uh, got to beat Allen this week, and who 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 I found out was not eligible. It's not eligible. Otherwise, Allen would be uh, in the race as well. Not eligible. But but Benedict want to finish on you know on uh, strong, not looking past anybody. But it's got to be thinking. You know, we lost in the second round, in essence, because Benedict had a first round bye last year of the Division II playoffs. And so Benedict definitely wants to right that ship. Still to come here on Box to Row, Aaron James, the head football coach at Tuskegee. Up next, we're going to be joined by Florida A&M head football coach, Willie Simmons, keep it locked to Box to Rock. Make sure you got your radio loud. The God Rock can't be seen the mic, y'all. Hip-hop forever. Thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands. You're listening to from the press box, the press row. So I start my mission, leave my residence, thinking how could I get some dead presidents. I need money. I used to be a stick-up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. Aggies, you don't want to miss any games this season. Saturday, November 4th, is a special game day as it's homecoming as the Aggies take on Towson University. You don't want to miss the Blue and Gold Marching Machine as they prepare for the Rose Bowl Parade. The fun kicks off at 1 p.m. Come enjoy family and grab your plate as you witness the greatest homecoming on earth presented by AT&T Dream in Black. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. Business owners, do you need money right now? Have you already filed your ERC forms and been approved? How would you like to get the money in your bank account within 10 days? Couldn't you use that money right now to run your business? That is why you filed for it, right? So call us right now. As long as you've already filed and been approved, we'll advance the money to you. It's that simple. We've already funded millions of dollars in ERC money, and we're here to help you get the money you need right now to run your business. Again, if you've already filed your ERC application and been approved for the money, we can help you get the money in your bank account within 10 days from today. But you've got to make this free call right now. This is not a loan product and the offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts. 800 380 800-380-4301. 800-380-4301. 800-380-4301. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. In his sixth season, 
football coach at Florida A&M is Willie Simmons. Of course, the Rattlers are number two in the coaches and media polls. Game on Saturday is at Alabama A&M. The Rattlers have already wrapped up the SWAC's Eastern Division as Coach Simmons joins us here on the program. What's going on, Coach Simmons? Appreciate the time. Oh, man, it's going well. Uh, Glad to be on with you. (laughs) It is going well. I mean, it it really is. You guys, just speak to the season 7-1 and so far. Uh, Eight games into the season, your thoughts on how the Rattlers are playing. Well, we're right where we anticipated being. Um, all the goals we set out for ourselves this season, uh, we've reached them. Uh, you know, we talked about winning our natural rivalries. You know, that's Jackson State, that's Alabama State, that's Southern, uh, and then also our in-state rival, which we have later this season. But we're 3-0 in those games. Um, we had a goal to win the East. Uh, we clinched that this past weekend. So we still have a few more goals out there. Obviously, the SWAC championship game uh, is, is the next one up. Um, well, actually, the Florida Classic win is the next one up. But then – uh, trying to win the SWAT championship game and giving ourselves a chance to uh, go to Atlanta in the Celebration Bowl to play for, you know, not right HBCU national championship. So, you know, the guys are responding well to to all the hype, uh, all the things that come along with being the hunted this year as opposed to the hunter. And, uh, you know, we play, we play pretty good football. So I'll, obviously it's still a lot of ball to be played. Still got to continue to work, develop, get better at the little things. Uh, but again, we're, we're in the position to control our own destiny. And that's always something that we talk about. And for you, I, I mean, I know your guys are focused. I know you're going to keep them focused. Tell us how you'll, in fact, do that. Have, I mean, the, the game against Bethune-Cookman speaks for itself. It's the Florida Classic. Like, you want to, obviously, you, you know, you want to win every game, but you want to win that game. But how do you keep these guys focused, at least over the next two games? Well, I think for us, it's, it started way back in training camp. You know, we talk really hard uh, to this football team about being process-driven and not results-driven. I think when you take that approach, it, it prevents you from, you know, having those emotional highs and lows that come along with the football season. You know, we want to look at the process, uh, how, how we conduct ourselves on a day-to-day basis. You know, how, how do we approach practice, uh, weight lift, weightlifting, treatment, uh, class, e- even our eating and sleeping habits. You know, so we focus on the little things uh, day by day. You know, they, they take care of the big things. You know, even, even this season, every every week our goal is to be one and up. You know, we, we don't look at the championships. We don't look at Celebration Bowl, any of those things. We try to look at what's right there in our face. Uh, for example, this week, it's Alabama a You know, it has nothing to do with clinching uh, the, the the East, has nothing to do with our chance to host the SWAT championship. It has everything to do with preparing ourselves to play our best game on Saturday because that's the next one we're blessed to play. And, and we want to continue to chase perfection. And we feel if we do that, we'll hit excellence along the way. And, and I think we stay locked in on that. Uh, it'll keep us from, again, having a, an emotional letdown, um, which will lead to, you you know, you potentially being upset. You know, I know where we are in the season, hadn't talked with you, you know, so let me let me take you back to Jackson State. Big win, you know, speak to kind of getting over the hump, you know, sort of a bit and winning that football game and then how it's led to where you are in the season. Your only loss, as you know, but for the for the audience, the only loss, by the way, is to South Florida, who's, a, of course, an FBS program. Yeah, well, we knew a lot was riding on the Jackson State game. Um, that game has decided the Eastern Divisional champ, ultimately the SWAT champ the last two years. And so, you know, we really looked at how we how we prepared for that game the past two years, everything from how soon we got to Miami Gardens to what we ate, how 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 late we practiced on those days, how much sun exposure, you know, we, we subjected the guys to. So we really, really took a, a 
introspective approach, uh, a look at to how we put our team in position to be successful in the past. And we felt we put a good plan together. And obviously, you know, that showed on the field. We were able to put up 28 first half points uh, to get a comfortable lead. You know, obviously didn't score the second half, but played really good football on defense, only gave up 10 points and was able to come out of that with a huge win, which really set the tone for the rest of the season. So just getting that proverbial monkey off of our backs, um, not saying it solidified anything, but we knew at that point that we controlled our own destiny. That was a position that we hadn't been in in the last two years. And we wanted to make sure we kept that feeling because it's a much better feeling to be in this position of controlling your destiny than having to come off the field every Saturday, grab your phone, look at scores to see if somebody helped you out. You know, and so right now we don't have to do that. And, and that's that's why we're playing, you know, with the confidence that we're able to exhibit every weekend. When I'm talking about the team, I never thought that I would lead the question off to a Willie Simmons coach team to start with the defense. Going back to your days as a quarterback at Clemson, you know, uh, all of your 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 uh, uh, coaching days, you know, Old Corn State, Prairie View, A and M defense is really really good. Dark cloud defense. Talk about this defense. This, this is really an elite defense and a special defense the way it's playing right now. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've, I've been known as, as an offensive play caller, guru, whatever word you want to use. Um, when I was a play caller, that was fine. When I was only a play caller, let me, let me say that. But when I became a head coach, obviously your job as a head coach is to build a complete football team. Uh, I'm heavily involved in the recruitment of our defensive players. I understand as an offensive play caller how important it is, uh, how beneficial it is to have a strong defense. And, and we kind of pattern the way we run our offense, so our, how aggressive we are off of how well our defense is playing. And so people may look and say, hey, man, fam, you hadn't had the prolific numbers that we've come accustomed to watching Willie Simmons play. You know, we don't have the guarding numbers we put up at Alcorn State. You know, we don't have the guarding numbers offensively that we put up even at Prairie View A&M. But that's because our defense is so productive. And so we're not super aggressive. You know, we don't feel the need to be because we don't want to do anything to put our defense in a bad position. You know, punting is one of the best things that we can do. We've been blessed since I've been here to have some of the best punters, uh, two of the best punters in the country, three of the best punters in the country. And we've been able to flip the field. And so when teams have to drive 80 plus yards against our defense consistently, you're not going to score very many points. And so we've been a lot more conservative with how we, call our plays on offense, um, how we scheme people up. Because, again, we're blessed to have a defense that's hungry, that plays with confidence. Uh, they play smart. They play for one another. Uh, I think the job that Ryan Smith as the head coach of our defense is doing uh, is, is second to none. You know, along with Coach DC, uh, Milton Patterson, uh, Coach James Cozy, uh, pass game coordinator Devon Morgan, uh, and Pat Watkins. I mean, those guys do an amazing job of putting our players in the best position to be successful and letting them do what they do best. And I think that's why our defense plays uh, so efficiently is because we're asking guys to do what they do best and not trying to force them to do something, trying to fit a, fit a square peg in a round hole, so to speak. Willie Simmons, again, in his sixth season as the head football coach of Florida A&M, he joins us here on the program. I was reading the article in the, uh, in the TDO, the Tallahassee Democrat, with respect to your defensive backfield and the call you put forth to them about getting turnovers, about getting interceptions. The last couple of weeks, they've answered the call. I believe it's what five interceptions over the last couple of weeks, you know, speak to that. And um, you know how well that unit is playing. Well, we, we know we're very strong up front. 
uh, we, we have a very deep and, and talented defensive line. So whether it's in tackle, uh, we're three deep across the board. And there's not a huge drop off when you go from the first team guy to the third team guy. Um, our linebackers are as athletic and, and as instinctive as anybody you'll see. And so those guys do a great job of moving around and making plays. On the back end, I, I thought we were leaving a lot to be desired as far as our ability to make plays on the ball. You know, teams challenge us early in the season. You know, we've had some balls caught on us, and that's not a problem. I don't worry about balls being caught on us, but it was alarming the amount of missed opportunities we had where guys were in a position to make an interception and didn't make it. Ball would hit our hands and we would drop it, uh, those type things. And so if you can add the opportunistic element to an already style defense, one that plays the run extremely well, one that gets after the quarterback, lives in the backfield, with top five nationally or six nationally in sacks, we're leading the nation in tackles for loss, top, I think top five or six in run defense. If we can find ways to get our hands on balls, I mean, you're talking about a number one rated defense in the country. And those guys took key to that. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've had four interceptions in those two games, uh, one a big pick six. And so again, uh, the guys are really, really uh, stressing those details more and, and, and uh, we're, we're positioning ourselves to be a defense that's complete from the front end to the back end. And, and I think that's what you need when you're talking about championship caliber teams. There are no deficiencies in their in their operation. And now that we're catching those balls, uh, I think it's very hard to find a deficiency with our defense. You know, you've recruited these guys, Isaiah, and it was Isaiah Land. Now it's Isaiah Major. How special a player is he? Hey, he's in that same mold. Uh, I tell the scouts all the time. We have Marquise Bell. Uh, in 2019 and 2021 uh, with Isaiah Land, you know, from 18 all the way to this past season. And those guys were two of the best defensive players in the country at this level. Uh, but it, it wasn't just because of their physical attributes. It was because of their approach to football, their maturity, their work ethic, uh, their desire to be the very best at what they did. And Isaiah Major is in that same mold. Uh, he loves the game of football, whether it's 6 a.m. practices, or 3.30 practices in the heat, he's fired up about practicing. He wants to be a guy that challenges his teammates to match his energy and his intensity. You know, he plays the game with reckless abandon uh, for his body. You know, he throws his body around. He takes on 300-pound blockers as a middle linebacker. He gets all of us lined up. You know, so not only is he a very athletically gifted football player, he's smart, he's instinctive, uh, he has really good ball skills and uh, had a pick six earlier this year. And he's just a complete player. And again, man, he's the heart and soul of our team, not even just our defense, but he's the heart and soul of our football team. And I've seen a lot of good players uh, this season, uh, primarily defensively, but uh, if there's a more complete or better football player than Isaiah Major in the country, um, one, I don't want to go against him <laughs> because, again, that, that guy's phenomenal. Isaiah Major's made plays every game he's played in, whether it's South Florida, a guaranteed game, whether it was Jackson State, or even this past weekend, uh, that Isaiah Major has a knack for getting to that football. He's leading the conference in solo tackles. Uh, he's just a tackling machine. Willie Simmons is the head football coach at Florida A&M. He joins us here on the program. Let's do this. We're going to step aside. We're going to take the break. We're going to come back. I want to talk because I don't know if a lot of you know Willie Simmons' story. He almost came to – he actually did come to Florida A&M, so I want to ask him about that to play and a couple of other things as well. Stick around again. More of our conversation with FAMU head football coach Willie Simmons on the other side. Sit by myself. 
This is your weekly edition of the HBCU Blitz, powered by Box to Row. I'm Donald Ware. First, I'm going to take you to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where Texas Southern was thinking upset against the Southern Jaguars. We're going to pick things up in the fourth quarter. Texas Southern with possession and driving. Here's the handoff for Howard. Bumble the ball. Southern's got it. Southern got it. He's going to take it to the house. It's going to be a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Kelvin Gibbons gets a touchdown to the defensive end on a fumble recovery. And Southern is down now only by three. 17 to 14. The Jaguars would get a 54-yard field goal by Joshua Griffin with eight seconds remaining. We were tied at 17 and headed to overtime. Texas Southern failed to convert on the first possession in overtime. Southern got the football and knew what to do with it. Here's the handoff. Rhymes got to get on that other side. Here's the run. Five, touchdown, touchdown. touchdown! Southern wins the game. Southern wins the game on a touchdown by Kendrick Rhymes. Kendrick Rhymes on a 16-yard run. Tell him about it, Chris Chalette, on the Jaguars Sports Radio Network. Southern remain tied for first place in the Western Division with the 23-17 overtime victory over Texas Southern. Now to Norfolk, Virginia for MEAC showdown between Norfolk State and Morgan State. Both teams with one loss in the MEAC. A second loss would be detrimental. We're going to pick things up in the fourth quarter. Norfolk State having just scored a touchdown leading 28 to 10 and on the ensuing kickoff. End over end kick. Jenkins fields at the nine. Straight ahead 10, 15 yard line, 20. Keith breaks a tackle, 30. Still on his feet, 40. Far sideline, 50. One man to beat. Foot race, 20, 10, 5. Keith Jenkins Jr. goes the distance. 91 yards. The two point conversion was good and the Bears pulled to within 28 to 18, but Morgan State wasn't done. Gets the snap. Here comes pressure. Big time. Flips it away. Picked off. Intercepted. Near sideline, Eric Hunter. 20, 15, 10, 5, pick 6. Bears back on the board. 60-yard interception return. The extra point pulled the Bears to within 28 to 25. We're going to move to within 60 seconds remaining. The Bears with possession on the move, looking to take the lead. Todd Smith will await the snap. Get snap in the pocket. He'll tuck and run. The 10, the 5, the house. Todd Smith. That was the mentor, Lamont Germany, on WEAA. The Bears storm all the way back. Defeat Norfolk State 32-28 to to Birmingham, Alabama. For the Magic City Classic between Alabama A&M and Alabama State. We're going to move to late in the second quarter. Alabama State trailing 14-10 to and looking to go into the locker room with the lead. Stewart looking deep, throws it deep. In the middle of four different players, Keep and down. I think Keep Jackson down. caught Touchdown. it. Touchdown. Touchdown. He Keep went up Johnson. and caught it. Touchdown! Keyshawn Johnson, 47 yards on the Hail Mary to end the half. And the Hornets had the 17-14 lead. Now, let's move to the third quarter. Alabama A&M trailing 17-14, looking to tie. This one's going to be a 46-yard kick. That's blocked! It's blocked! Alabama State's got it! Going the other way! This is going to be a touchdown! The Hornets special team... Strikes again! Touchdown, Hornets! 
James Burgess with the pickup and the score. That audio courtesy of the Alabama State Radio Network. The Hornets defeated Alabama A&M 31-16. And in Albany, Georgia. For Banu, the quarterback. Won the pass on second down 11. Throw over the middle to the tight end. And it's going to be caught. And it's going to be Levitt with the touchdown on the deflection. 42-yard touchdown. The route was on in Albany as the Golden Rams defeated Miles 48-7, keeping their slim SIAC championship game hopes alive. That was my main man, Freddie Fresh Suttles, on the Albany State Sports Radio Network. Box to Row, the radio show, airs weekly on radio stations across the country, as well as on Sirius XM. To find a radio station in your area that carries the program, visit Box to Row. Willie Simmons is the head football coach at Florida A&M. He joins us here on the program. Jeremy Musa, your quarterback, um, you know, numbers wise, um, better, at least trajectory wise by the end of the season uh, than last year. I mean, matter of fact, he probably is going to shatter what he was able to do last season. Your thoughts in terms of how he's playing this season. Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, you know, as, if you if you listen to Rattler Nation at times, you think he's playing terribly. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that go, though. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, he's playing really good football. Um, you know, he's on pace to the, eclipse all of his numbers from last season. I think last year he had twenty one touchdowns in, in eleven games. He's at seventeen now in 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 eight games. So you know, he's four touchdowns away from breaking last his, his mark from last season. Um, his completion percentage is about the same. So we want to see that increase a little bit, um, but we're pushing the ball down the field a lot more this year than maybe we did in the past. Uh, we've had some untimely drops, you know, that have hurt his completion percentage. Uh, and so if you, if you do his true completion percentage, it's closer to 70%. Um, so he's making good decisions with the ball. He's protecting it for the most part. Uh, he's got about a two, two and a half to one interception ratio, touchdown interception ratio. And so he's leading all HBCU in passing. You know, he's leading them in touchdowns. Um, he's one of the top passers in the country. And so from all those metrics, he's having a phenomenal year. It's just when you when I have to come and defend him because he hadn't played perfectly or he turned the ball over a time or two, uh, it, it makes it seem as if he's playing very poorly. But I think it'd be safe to say that maybe probably all 11 teams in, in this conference would trade their guy for Jeremy Musa right now. Yeah. There are a lot of teams across the country that would trade their guy for Jeremy Musa right now uh, because of his arm talent, because of his size, his athleticism. Uh, his ability to make throws in, in, in tight windows. Uh, he's a pro prospect. Again, just like Isaiah Major, NFL scouts are really starting to inquire about Jeremy Musa and his prospects of getting into a training camp. I don't know if they're both draftable guys, uh, but I do think they're guys that can definitely that are definitely worthy of getting in training camps and showing what they can do. You know, but I think they're both front runners for for conference player of the year right now. Uh, if I had to, the season was over, I think Jeremy would win offensive player of the year. Uh, and, and I think once coaches really look at the film and really consider playing against us, that they will feel Isaiah Major is the best player in the conference. They're guys that maybe have more stats because of how they of how they count tackles. Um, but I think it's a telling sign that Isaiah Major is leading the conference in solo tackles. He's not leading total tackles, but he's leading solo tackles, which to me is more of an indicator of how productive he is. I mean, sometimes you get an assist with tapping the guy on the shoulder when he's an inch from the ground, you know, right. but you're making solo tackles. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting that guy on the ground by yourself and uh, he's doing as well as anybody. And of course, Jeremy's leading uh, most quarter, all quarterbacks in most of the, most of the major statistical categories. 
you know, I think it's a great point. You're talking about, you know, Isaiah Major, 46 solo tackles in eight games, almost six, you know, almost six a game. He's definitely getting it done. A couple more thoughts with Willie Simmons, the head football coach at Florida A&M. And speak to this, fam, you, I mean, you, again, growing up in Tallahassee, um, fam, you means more to you than you just being the head football coach. Well, that that's a, that's a sore story, but uh, <laughs> but no, you know, I, I transferred my last year of college. Obviously, uh, left Clemson um, after I got my degree and wanted to play my last season close to home. You know, my mom was battling some health issues, and, and I wanted to be here. You know, Joe uh, Billy Joe had the team rolling. Uh, they had a string of transfer quarterbacks that had been very successful: Jaywan Sider, Pat Bonner, Otima Sampson, and, and I wanted to be the next one. And so, attempted to transfer here in two thousand three. Uh, that was the year that FAMU made history of being the first HBCU to make the transition to Division 1A, or now FBS. And when that happens, you go on the year of provisional status. Well, because they were in provisional status, the NCAA required them to abide by 1A rules, which at that time, which is crazy now because of the, how <laughs> wide open transferring is, at that time, you could not transfer from a 1A program to a 1A program and be eligible for immediate playing time. You had to sit out a year. Well, I was a, I was a last year student, so I didn't have a year to sit. And so myself, along with 12 other transfers, were deemed ineligible in the middle of training camp. Like we practiced for two weeks with FAMU and were told that uh, that we couldn't play this year, that year. So it was a really, really tough time for me because everyone was so excited uh, for me to come here uh, to potentially be the quarterback here in uh, you know, but I had every intention of being a rattler. And uh, so I, I can't say that I took a class at FAM, but I can say that I practiced in the orange green for two weeks, sat in the locker room, heard Billy Joe talk. And uh, so, so I'm officially a rattler in that regard. But uh, but I'm glad to be back as the head football coach. Uh, it, it all came, came, came back full circle. Yep. Last two thoughts, not to cause any controversy. You don't want to answer the question. Don't. But th- this is the thing. We, you know, you look at the history of college football. There have only been two HBCU grads to ever have coached at the FBS level. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Willie Jeffries, of course, uh, the first one to, in fact, do it. Um, and, you know, I, a lot of times when I'm talking about, okay, who's that next HBCU person, I, I'm going to include you in that because you, you, you had every intention, intention of being at FAMU. That said, um, do you have, you know, down the road? I know you're happy where you are now. I got it. Aspirations of being a head football coach at the FBS level. Well, I think, um, you know, I think anyone who who does something uh, in the back of their mind or in the front of their mind even, you know, has that feeling of can I do it at the highest level? You know, if you're, if you're a Division One AA football player, you know, doesn't mean you don't love the school you're playing at, but when you're going out there and you're making plays on Saturdays against one AA opponents or D2 opponents, in the back of your mind, you're watching college football and you see Alabama and Georgia and you just ran for 175, and your mind saying, I think I can do that there. You know, I, I can I can be a, a thousand yard rusher in the SEC. You know, if you're a quarterback and you just threw four touchdowns and you know threw for 300 plus yards, you're looking at you know, Clemson versus Georgia Tech and saying, man, I think I can go and play at that level and show that I'm good enough because I think part of us wants to show that we're capable of doing those things. And so whether it's NFL or major college football, you know, there is a part of me 
that says, okay, I've been extremely successful, uh, you know, relatively speaking, at the LCS level. Could I could I replicate that at a group of five school, at a power five school? You know, I've been in, been called a you know, great play caller, you know, during my time. Could, could I could I have the same success as a play caller in in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten? And so just that <clears throat> human element in me um, wanting to prove that to myself. Yeah, obviously I think about it, you know, and so if the opportunity presents itself, it's something that, I, I, you know, you just have to look at, you just have to consider, you know, uh, Dion caught a lot of flack for, for going to Colorado, you know, oh, he made these promises to Jackson and talked about doing it for the culture and bringing players to HBCUs and then he ups and leaves and goes to Colorado. Well, you know, it, it, we are human. We do have families. It's kind of hard to turn down five point nine million dollars <laughs> to, to stay out of school when you're making about three hundred, four hundred. So it's not about the money. It's not you know solely about the money. But I think guys like myself, Trey Oliver, um, the coaches who've been extremely successful at this level, you know, part of us do wonder what it would be like to to have an abundance of resources, right? You know, we come every day to schools who don't who are low resource, who we have to get out of the mud. Um, what would it be like if I walked into a building and had unlimited resources where we can get on a plane and go recruit in California if we saw a player that we like, you know, as opposed to trying to figure out a way to to, to drive four, four hours to recruit, you know. So not saying I, you know, I love FAMU. Of course, I talked at length about what FAMU means to me. I'm from here. My entire family is here. My wife graduated from here. Our oldest son is a graduate. He's in law school here now. And so, yes, FAMU has a special place in my heart, always will, you know, but Obviously, in this profession, I think AD search firms are always looking for that next guy because of the big business of, of college athletics. And so, you know, guys like me and Trey Oliver get those opportunities. You know, we have to listen. Doesn't mean we'll take it. You know, but 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 I think it would be crazy for people to think that we wouldn't entertain you know offers from bigger schools just because of that innate desire to want to prove that we can do it at the highest level. And well said, and therein lies part of the point. We do more with less. Last thought, Alabama A&M, as we go back to football. Alabama A&M, your thoughts on what some of the challenges that the Bulldogs present? Well, obviously the number one challenge is, is they have a quarterback, Xavier Langford, you know, who can beat you uh, with his legs. You know, he ran for almost 200 yards against Gramlin a few weeks ago. And so whenever you have a running quarterback, that creates uh, an extra gap for your defense to have to account for so our guys got to be really good up front of controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, they'll run them out of empty formations. They'll run them out of unbalanced formations. They'll get running. You know, they'll run ISOs with them, you know, with running backs leading up on backers. And so you have to find ways to get guys in the run fit, but also prevent big plays in the passing game. And so that'll be a tough challenge for our defense. He's probably the most dynamic quarterback that we face outside of the quarterback in South Florida. And uh, so from, from a defensive standpoint, we got to do a really good job of containing him. Uh, their defense, they move around a lot. You know, they do a lot of stemming uh, right before the snap. So identifying whether they're in three down or four down looks and um, getting a hat on a hat. You know, we've run the ball extremely well the last two weeks. Uh, we want to continue to do that. If we can run the ball well, we've shown that we can throw it against anyone. If we can run it for 180, 200 plus, I mean, it really, really makes us difficult to defend. And so we want to establish the ground game, you know, so those will be the two biggest challenges for us, establishing the run on offense, stopping the run on defense, uh, and then special teams, you know, we got to be sound. Um, the last two years we played these guys, we've had some 
unforced errors. You know, we fumbled quarterback, running back exchange two years in a row. The quarterback has fumbled, handing the ball to the running back, and they've recovered both. Um, we've had some wild interceptions, ball popping off the ground and guys dropping passes. And so we got to make sure that we play clean football. And if we can do that, um, going on the road in a hostile environment, you know, uh, I think we can continue to uh, play well enough to win. Uh, it does help that the Marching 100 will be there to support us. And uh, looking forward to, to seeing those guys there. But again, huge challenge. Connor Man is a great coach. Um, they, their program has had when they're when they're rolling, they're really really good. Uh, they've kind of been up and down the last two years, but they can get hot at any moment. And so we definitely can't can't rest, can't take you know take a back seat because we've clinched. Uh, we still got to go play football, and, and that's a challenge for us to get these guys to play at a high level, knowing that at the end of the day, the game doesn't have any conference bearing because we're already guaranteed to be in the SWAT championship. We still want to host, so winning this game goes a long way in us hosting, but it won't knock us out of contention. So we got to lock in. Our seniors got to do a great job of leading the rest of the guys, and we got to continue to play good football like we played most of the season, and I think that'll give us the chance to go in and, and pull off another huge road win. The Rattlers 7-1 and one on the season, ranked number two in the HBCU coaches and media polls, as Coach Simmons mentioned, on the road Saturday uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, taking on Alabama A&M. He's in his sixth season as the head football coach of the Rattlers. He is Willie Simmons, joins us here on the program. Coach Simmons, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Continued success to you and the Rattlers. Well, thanks. I, I was wondering how long it was going to take me to reach out. I guess we had to win a division to hear from you. I heard from you all season, Dom. You used, you used to hit me up. I guess we ain't boys no more. No, no you, that's, that's fair. But look, I, I, you know, you guys were rolling. I mean, it was, you know, now that you won it, now it's, you know, it's time to reach out now. You know what I mean? I, 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 I've been with you now. Don't get me wrong. Hey, you, but... you, you'll reach out when them, when them, when them polls ain't submitted on Sunday. You'll reach out then. <laughs> No, I, I appreciate you, man. It means a lot. And uh, definitely, definitely appreciate all the love and support that you do. Guys like yourself that really highlight and promote um, HBCUs, the football we play, the brand, the coaching, all that. Because, again, you're right. We don't get enough credit for the job that we're doing. And not just winning games, but developing lives, you know, graduating our young men, you know, putting them out into the real world, making a difference. And uh, that's, that's really what it's all about, man. So I, I truly appreciate you and uh, definitely excited about being on. Yes, sir. Appreciate that, Coach Simmons. Up next here on Box to Row, we're going to talk with Tuskegee head football coach Aaron James. BoxToRow.com is your source for conversations with and content on some of the biggest names in sports, HBCU sports, and entertainment. BoxToRow.com. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beard, Southern Virginia. Available in fresh markets in Northern Virginia, Richmond, and Lynchburg. At Barrel and Bushel in Tyson's Corner Center. And in Total Wines throughout Virginia. Doesn't matter what your sport, he talks your language. It's Delaware. From the press box 
to press row. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. In his first season as the head football coach at Tuskegee is Aaron James. He's an alum of the university. And as a matter of fact, if Tuskegee wins, it's in against Benedict next week in the SIAC championship game as Aaron James joins us here on the program. What's going on, Coach James? Nothing much. Just trying to get these guys ready, prepared, and uh, ready to go this weekend. No doubt about it. Big game. Let, but let me let me start here. Were you surprised when the D2 rankings came out that a team that you had beaten earlier in the season, Fort Valley State, was in fact in the rankings and, and Tuskegee was not? Um, I, I would, with the polls and everything, I wouldn't say I was surprised because, I mean, you know, it's a hit and miss with it. Uh, Fort Valley has a they have a tough team and and the coaches coach Gibbs is doing an amazing job with those guys over there and um, you know I like I said I wasn't surprised like I say it just I mean it's just opposed to me yeah your your thoughts um, in terms of where your team sits right now how the team has played you're seven and two on the season coming into this matchup against Miles on Saturday um, I think for us like I said we, we're seven and two and. And like I said earlier, with the with the with the polls, with the position, and the numbers that we are where we sitting at right now, that's just a number. I know our guys are are well well equipped and, and ready to go each weekend, week out, and uh, they bought into the system. And you know they they play they play hard. And and I let, I know you probably looked at some of those games, and we was down in some games, and we had to the defense had to you know saying get about out of uh, a lot of those games. And offensively, we. We scored when we needed to score to win the game. So, I mean, we got a, a good young team, and they're ready to be battle-tested and ready to roll. After the loss to Edward Waters, you come right back the next week, get the win on the road, by the way, um, at Savannah State. It's a tough – look, I, I realized Savannah State's record is what it is. Savannah State has like two or three wins. So it's a solid program. Speak to getting that victory bouncing back after a loss and still staying in contention for the SIAC championship game. Oh, that was a big that was a big win for us. Um, the SIEC, you know, week in and week out, we got to come play ball. This is a tough league, and I think with guys looking on the outside, looking in, just looking at you know names uh, of each of the colleges that always been at the top of the list, you know, each year. And uh, but like I say, each year these guys, this this conference is tough, and for us to be be able to bounce back from that loss against Edward Waters homecoming, those guys fought back in that Savannah State game and. And we pulled it out. Yeah, there's no question about that. Speak to the offense. You've been you were the offensive coordinator there, uh, meaning at at your alma mater uh, on last year. Of course, got the head coaching job, and we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that. How do you feel like the offense is has played so far this season? Uh, we still at, at times we sputtered sometimes, but um, you know we we've been through. I played four quarterbacks, and you know uh, we did that last year, but. Either one of those guys that get in, you know, I, I know their skill set, know what, you know, what, what they're good at. But um, those guys rally around, you know, the other players rally around anybody that's in the in the game behind the center. So um, I love I love my group, I love my team, and you know, um, those guys they fight week in and week out. But playing is that by design in terms of playing um, a couple of quarterbacks? Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. I mean, sometimes. You know, um, a quarterback has to get in a rhythm, and 
sometimes with me being a former quarterback, I know what it what it takes, and I know what it you know what a rhythm looks like for the guys that have the hot hand to go into the um, to the game. And then I just play it by ear and just see how how they perform it uh, throughout each series. And that running game has been very consistent for you all season long. You've got a stable of running backs. You're averaging close to 150 yards rushing per game. Yes, we got, we got, like I said, we got a young team and we got some young backs in the backfield. So those guys are, are carrying the load and, and um, in the offensive lineman that we got, they're making holes for those guys, but they, they're good, hard, tough runners. And like I said, they're, they're, they're real young and they battle tested. Aaron James is in his first season as the head football coach at his alma mater, Tuskegee, as he joins us here on the program. Look, it, it, it doesn't matter who's, who, who maybe, well, it does, but if, you know what I mean in terms of who the quarterback is. When you got a guy like Antonio Meeks, this guy is absolutely unbelievable. He's averaging almost 20 yards per reception. He had a really, really good season last year as well, your wide receiver. Speak to how well he's playing. I mean, he, like, he's a young guy as well. He was a true freshman last year, started, and uh, his skill set is amazing. Uh, I just – knew that coming into this season he, he worked so hard this offseason in the summer and and just trying to uh put his game to to the uh, you know saying to a high level and he's done that but you know he um he had an injury and he missed like three games but uh he bounced back and and he is like he never he never left you know and that's the the thing let, let me switch to the defensive side of the football because i think sometimes mm-hmm. you can look at the numbers and maybe the, i mean you're giving up yardage wise about 230 mm-hmm. yards passing per game. At the end of the day, however, you got 17. That defense has got 17 interceptions. Like, that's a lot of interceptions. Uh, Michael King's got five of those uh, interceptions. He's six. Six. Okay, he's got six. Yeah. They, uh, but, yeah. uh, you, you know, your thoughts in terms of the way that the defense has played so far this year? Man, the defense has, has been playing lights out. Uh, you know, like looking at the stats, I mean, it doesn't show what, they, what they're doing on the field. But uh, my defense coordinator, Sean Watson and and those uh, defensive coaches on that side of the ball, they do an amazing job week in and week out with those guys, getting them prepared and ready to go um, for the game. So, like I say, we got a young group. And Michael King, uh, he was a receiver last year. And uh, he's the, he's I mean, his skill set is amazing as well. So we put him over at the uh, defensive side of the ball, uh, like I think like the second game of the season. And, I mean, he just blossomed into a, a phenomenal player. And I guess it helps, right? Like – you know, a lot of times they say, well, corners or defensive backs may not. That, that's why they're playing that position because they may, maybe they don't catch the ball so great. But, man, I mean, this guy's a converted wide receiver. So, you you know, he's getting his – when he gets his hands on that football, he, he's going to make that pick. Oh, yes. He, I mean, he, he got a net for the ball. I mean, and like I said, for him being a receiver, he know different angles and, and um, adjustments he has to make to catch the ball. So, when that ball is in the air, uh, 50-50 the ball, I'm expecting him to come down with it. No doubt about it. Your thoughts on on Miles and maybe some of the challenges the Golden Bears present? I mean, they got a Coach Sam Shade. He's doing an amazing job with that, that group over there. Um, they got a lot of talent on the field, and a couple of those guys was uh, playing when I was over there coaching as well. So, I mean, he, he's doing a, he's doing an amazing job with those guys. I think they're a really solid team, and we just got to be prepared and ready to go. For you, what does it mean to be the head football coach at your alma mater? Oh, it means it means everything. Uh, knowing that I put in the work, playing here as a as a student athlete, and coming back and coaching, and and now I'm sitting in this seat where I'm at now. Um, it's it's amazing, Coach Coach Ruffin. Well, my AD Ruffin. Get I want to thank him for giving me this opportunity. 
uh, without without that, you know, I'll just be a, a old ball coach. But uh, but I, I'm excited about the opportunity, and and I just think that for me being in this seat and then just knowing how to give those guys the information that I've received when I was playing here uh, back in the day. So um, I mean, it, it's exciting. So how have you grown in now these really almost eleven almost eleven full months now as as the head football coach at your alma mater? I think I've grown pretty well. Um, last season, Coach Ruffin really, he gave me the keys a little bit uh, last season for uh, me being the head coach and waiting. But uh, I think I've grown, grown, and um, it's a lot on my plate, but I always like a challenge. So um, it's nothing really, really nothing I can, um, I can't handle. In the SIAC, like how have you seen it, I don't know, grow, change, whatever the case may be in 20 years? I think your last year may have been 2001, so a little bit more than, the 20 years, how have you seen the SIC change slash grow? It's it's a pass. It's more of a passing league now. Uh, you know, just just seeing everything for us uh, back in the days, more traditional under center, um, ISO league power. But uh, nowadays, I mean, for us for us offensive wise, it's more spread. And um, just in in the conference alone, you got you got programs with better facilities and everything. That's you know that's a plus. So uh, you know we got our facility upgraded last year and uh it was way overdue but just looking at it from the, from back then to now that's what i i, I think that's uh biggest change aaron james again in his first season as the head football coach of his alma mater tuskegee big time showdown in fairfield alabama on saturday tuskegee on the road at miles a win means the golden tigers are in to the siac championship game coach james appreciate the time good luck and continued success to you and tuskegee thank you and i also want to say i mean my, my coaching staff does an amazing job i know I, I left off my um talking about my offensive side of the ball but my offensive coaches they 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 help me they hold me down uh you know for me calling the plays and helping to you know uh be absent at times but they 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 step in and just make sure that everything is running well so my hat's off to my offensive staff Absolutely, Coach James, Aaron James, the head football coach at Tuskegee, giving a shout-out to his assistant coaches. Again, he was an assistant last year under Reginald Ruffin, who became, instead of being the head football coach and the athletics director, is now just the athletics director, uh, hired James to the position, and has Tuskegee right there, uh, an opportunity to play in the SIAC championship game. Some big games, really the MEAC, I didn't get a chance to really get to this today, but the MEAC right now comes down to Howard and North Carolina Central because every other team, while Morgan and Norfolk State have one loss apiece, Norfolk State has the loss to Howard, while Morgan State has the loss to North Carolina Central, which in essence puts both of those teams two games back. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Willie Simmons. Thank you to Aaron James for joining us today here on Box to Row. For more information on the program, great content, podcasts, stories, etc., polls, all America teams, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support your box to row is produced by DW Communications. You-